Hello, romance book lovers. Welcome to Tales from the Heart. I'm Jenna Hart, and each week I post new episodes from my stories of crime and passion. Right now we're listening to Old Flames Never Die, book two of the Valentine Mysteries. This week is episode two, chapters three and four, where we find out what Jack thinks about Tess's revelation regarding his old flame live. Now, if you'd like to read along or get ahead in the story, you can get Old Flames Never Die from your favorite ebook retailer, or you can save by buying direct from me. You can get all the links at jennahart.com forward slash valentine. Now, Old Flames Never Die is the second book in the Valentine Mystery Series. If you missed book one, Deadly Valentine, you can listen by checking for earlier episode postings. Or if you'd like to read it, you can get Deadly Valentine for free at my website, jennahart.com. Now, Tales from the Heart is posted to podcast platforms and YouTube each week. These episodes are edited to censor out any intimate content. But if you'd like to have a version that includes all those spicy bits, plus get early access to the episodes, behind-the-scenes information about the stories, bonus content, and more, please join me over on Ream Stories. You can learn more by visiting reamstories.com forward slash Jenna Hart. Now, never miss the mystery or romance by hitting the subscribe button. And remember that all the details and links that you might need are just a click away in the description. Now, snuggle up, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Chapter 3 Jack couldn't have been more surprised by Tessa's declaration. She has an alibi. I know. Confused, he asked. So why would you think she killed her husband? She acts like a woman who needs an alibi. Turns out she did need one. She blew out a breath. The only people who act like they need alibi know they need an alibi. Jack shook his head. You aren't making sense. Then he realized what must be going on. Did Daniel call you? The idea of it angered him. Not that Daniel would call her, but that Tess would willingly go to dinner with Liv and not tell him she was undercover for the police. Talk about betrayal. No. I figured this out all on my own. I've worked with a few guilty people. And what did you figure from our dinner? He asked tightly. What did I have for dinner? What? Some pasta dish. It was risotto. Did you and Brad play golf this weekend? Yeah, so what? Where was Tess going with her questions? Do you have the receipt? I don't know. I think Brad paid. So if I were killed this weekend, you'd have no alibi. Except that I was with Brad. She gave him an exasperated glare. The point is, who collects receipts when it's not business? Maybe Charles required her to. He was known to be tight with a penny. Jack, she told us she couldn't help the police with information about Charles's life, and yet she knew he ate an egg-white omelet at 9.08 in the morning. Maybe she cooked it for him. Although deep down Jack didn't think Liv knew how to heat water in a microwave. Look, it might look suspicious to you, but Liv's not a killer. She's got too much going for her. Just because she's good in bed doesn't mean she isn't a killer. And just because you're jealous doesn't mean she is. We're not back to that, are we? Tessa's glare mirrored Jack's anger and annoyance. Are you always going to discount what I say because you think I'm jealous? What you're accusing her of is ludicrous. Tess stepped back and he could see the walls rising again. That pissed him off even more. 
Don't retreat on me, Tess. Couples disagree, they argue. That doesn't mean it's over. I don't like having to listen to you defend an old lover. We simply don't agree. It's more than that. You just chose her story over my instincts. Jack stepped away, cursing as he ran his fingers through his hair. You've caught me off guard. I just can't see that she'd kill anyone. Fine. But that doesn't mean I don't believe you or don't think you aren't a good lawyer. I just think you're mistaken. Maybe all this time off has... Stop. Please don't tell me my skills are compromised because I've taken a little time off. I have no proof and I may be wrong, but I'm telling you, her story doesn't measure up. He shook his head. Let's just let it go. We did our duty and had dinner. Now it's over and we're back to us. And how about when the police call and want to talk to you? Because they will. Why? I don't know anything. It's been over a year since I last talked to her. Because two days after her husband was murdered, she called you. The chirping of Jack's phone woke Tess. Rolling over, she reached to his side of the bed to find emptiness. Popping open one eye to make sure she didn't miss him, she verified that his side was vacant. She started to muster the energy to reach across the bed to grab the phone on his bedside table when he walked into the room with only a towel draped low around his waist. Water dripped from his chest and hair. He looked delicious. Tess would have considered divesting him of the towel if it weren't for the scowl on his face. Jack picked up the phone and checked the caller ID. He gave Tess a knowing look before answering. Daniel. Tess flopped back on the bed. She didn't try to listen in because she knew what this call was about. Why do I need a lawyer? Am I a suspect? Or did she? She was certain the police would want to talk to Jack about Liv, but not as a suspect. Or do you just want to delve through my sordid past? Whatever it was, Tess knew she was going with Jack to talk to the police. Not that she would have ever let him talk to them alone, but now it sounded like Daniel wanted her there. Otherwise, why suggest Jack get a lawyer? 9.30 then. Jack tossed the phone on the bedside table, his scowl growing darker. I can be ready in 45 minutes, she said. I don't want to give him the satisfaction of making you hear about Liv and me again. But he won't get any satisfaction. Tess rolled out of bed. I already know. I do know everything, right? He gave her a disappointed glare, then stalked to his closet. Tess tried not to feel his dismissal as rejection, but it was hard. She went to the bathroom and showered, reminding herself that disagreements were part of relationships and that Jack, being mad, didn't mean he was done with her. When she finished, she popped open the door to reach for her towel, but it wasn't there. Poking her head out, she saw Jack standing outside the stall with the towel hanging from his fingertip. He was fully dressed, including a tie. I'm sorry. She took the towel from him and wrapped it around her. I'm not proud of my behavior with Liv, and I don't like the idea of parading it out for everyone to see. But I shouldn't take it out on you. No, you shouldn't. She moved to the sink to brush her teeth. I don't suppose it occurred to you that I would want to go. Not as a lawyer, but as someone who loves you. You know, to stand by my man? She saw the tension ease on his face and his lips twitched upward. No. Well, maybe it should. She brushed, spit, and rinsed. 
You want to stand by your man and listen to me tell about Liv while Daniel gloats? Tess suspected Daniel might gloat, but that wasn't why he wanted her during the police interview with Jack. As I said, what's there to gloat about? I already know. She turned to him, and he reached out to wipe the edge of her mouth. You missed a spot. His thumb brushed over her lips. That towel doesn't hide much. Sorry, champ. You had your chance. Now we don't have time. She patted his hand away from the edge of her towel. What chance? He asked as she walked away. She looked at him over her shoulder. Your towel didn't hide much either. At 9.30, Jack and Tess walked into the Jefferson Tavern police station, just as Liv's interview finished. Jack? Tess? What are you doing here? It's not because of me, is it? Liv asked. Don't worry about it, Liv. Jack said. I didn't tell them anything, she said. Tess winced. That sounded a little like a conspiracy. I mean, I had to answer their questions about us, but it was so long ago. I can't imagine what they want to ask you. I don't know either, he said. This is just crazy. Liv turned to the man standing beside her. Can you do something? I can't dictate how the police do their business. The man shook his head. Hello, Tess. Thanks for the referral. Tess nodded. Jack, this is Lance Gray. He works with Tom. Lance, this is Jack Valentine. The two men shook hands. How did it go? Jack asked. Like police work, Lance said. They're scrambling to pin this on Mrs. Danforth, but she's got a solid alibi. Daniel entered the waiting area. We're ready for you. I'm so sorry for dragging you into this, Jack, Liv said. Jack waved her concern away. With a hand on Tess's back, he said, Ready? Jack and Tess took a seat in the interrogation room. Daniel's partner, Sam Collier, sat at the table, but Daniel stayed standing. Jack got the impression he was uncomfortable. He couldn't imagine why. It wasn't his sordid love life about to be put into a police record. We just have a few questions regarding Mrs. Danforth. You probably know about Mr. Danforth, Sam said. Jack nodded. What is your relationship with Mrs. Danforth? Jack rolled his shoulders and took a breath. She's an old girlfriend. Normally, he might have elaborated on the fact that he hadn't seen nor spoken to her in a year, but Tess was a stickler about answering only the question that was asked. When was that? A little over a year ago. Did you know she was married? How is that relevant? Tess cut in. We just want to know what Liv told him about her marital status at the time. Tess nodded to Jack. She told me she was separated and planning to divorce. So you knew she was married? Sam asked again. Jack looked to Daniel, whose eyes were on Tess, but he didn't see gloat in Daniel's expression. He saw discomfort. He told you what she said? Tess interjected. And where were you last Saturday at 1 p.m.? Jack hadn't expected that, and a quick glance to Tess told him she hadn't either. Jack realized that this meeting wasn't just about getting information about Liv. They wanted to interrogate him for Charles Danforth's murder. I was having lunch with a friend in Washington. D.C.? Yes. Do you have receipts? I can get them. Or you can call Brad Chancellor. He'll confirm my itinerary for the entire weekend. What about March 5th? Were you in Washington then, too? 
Jack frowned. Yes, Tess and I were both there the first week of March. Interesting that you and Mrs. Danforth were in Washington at the same time. So was the president. When was the last time you saw Mrs. Danforth? Sam continued on. You mean besides two minutes ago, last night, she and Ms. Madison and I had dinner together. Why? Why? For what reason? We're old friends. Jack was now thinking he might have preferred to have Daniel leading the interrogation. You brought your current lover to dinner with a former lover? Collier, Daniel's voice warned. Jack looked to Tess. Had Daniel just pulled the reins on Sam? She was distraught over Charles's death and wanted to get out, Jack explained. With an old flame? We concede that Mr. Valentine and Mrs. Danforth had a relationship over a year ago. But that isn't relevant to this case, Tess said. Did she ever call you over the last year? No. How about March 5th? No. Are you sure about that? Jack felt Tess's hand on his thigh. Did Liv say something? Daniel stepped forward. He reached for a paper in front of Sam and pushed it toward them. Cell phone call from Liv to Jack on the 5th. Panic boiled in Jack's gut. How is it possible that it could happen again? He was being accused of murder on evidence he knew nothing about. I never... Tess's hand tightened on his thigh as she scanned the document. This call is too short to suggest they talked. She pushed the paper back to Sam. What about voicemail? Sam asked. Jack shook his head. I didn't have a message from her. And I'm sure your tech guys could verify that. Tess said. You didn't notice it on your missed calls list? Maybe. But if someone doesn't think their call is important enough to leave a message, then I figure it's not important enough for me to call back. I can tell you I don't recognize that number. Would you have called her if... That's not relevant. That's all we need for now. Daniel stepped forward again. Thank you for your time. Sam didn't look happy about Daniel's interference, but didn't press. Jack helped Tess from her chair and led her out. Neither said anything until they got outside. Tess, I never got a call from her until yesterday. I know. He searched her eyes to make sure he didn't see the shadow of the walls or the fear that lingered there when she doubted him. He only saw confusion and worry. Tess, Jack. Jack turned to see Daniel coming toward them. Jack readied himself to speak his mind, but Tess's hand on his arm stopped him. I'm sorry about that, Daniel said. What was that? Tess asked. Daniel shrugged. I can't go into details, but let's just say Sam is being thorough. And you couldn't stop him? Jack's hands fisted at his sides, aching to throttle someone. He's the lead, and thorough. I remember a few months ago, Tess was asking us to be more thorough. That was ridiculous, Tess said. I figured you never took the call. We'll call Mr. Chancellor and Jack will be cleared, Daniel said. Cleared? So I am a suspect? She has an alibi, Tess explained. Which means someone else killed Charles. But since they suspect her, they're looking at people who are or were close to her who might have killed him for her. Daniel nodded. Jesus, Jack scoffed. Once we clear it up, you won't be bothered. But I would recommend staying away from Mrs. Danforth. Daniel's phone beeped. He looked at the screen, then said, I've got to run. Tess linked her arm through Jack's as they started toward the car. Amazing. How do we get involved in these things? We, 
Tess asked. You, you get involved. I'm just along as the sidekick. He grinned down on her, glad that she was able to make light of the situation. Maybe when all the craziness with the Worthingtons and Liv is done, we can take a little trip. How about a long weekend in the mountains? Jack said. I'd rather go to a beach. We can go to Virginia Beach. He imagined Tess in a bikini. It was a tantalizing image. I was thinking along the lines of Aruba. We could, except it involves flying. They stopped and waited for the light to turn green. So? I don't fly. Tess turned to look up at him. Why? Airplanes defy logic. They're like bumblebees. Tess laughed. Just a little at first, but it soon swelled. It's not funny, Jack said tightly. It's pretty funny. Lots of people don't like to fly. It's safer than driving. It doesn't matter what I know. It only matters how I feel. The light turned and he guided her into the intersection to cross the street. Don't you ever have to fly to business meetings? Not since I hired people to do that for me. She shook her head in disbelief. I'd have never guessed you had a phobia. It's not nice to make fun of people's shortcomings. I'm sorry. But Jack could tell she was still more amused than sympathetic. I just thought with all the money and time you have, travel would be top on your list. When he stepped up on the curb, he stopped and turned her to him. If it was really important to you, I might be able to, possibly. But geez, just the thought of flying made his heart jackhammer in his chest. You know, they have great chocolate in Europe. Which I can buy here, he stated flatly. She gave him a slow, coy smile. You'll never join the Mile High Club if you don't fly. That had another part of his body responding. He gave her an anguished look. You're killing me, you know that? She waggled her brows. It could be fun. In theory, yes. Except that with all the medicinal help I need to fly, I don't think I could perform adequately. Oh, well. She sighed. He took her hand as they continued toward the car. Perhaps I can offer you something else. We're in public now. He gave her an annoyed look. I meant other than that. But I like that. He'd created a monster. An alluring sexy monster, but a monster nonetheless. How about the Outer Banks? It has a beach, but we can drive. How about Acrocoke? We can search for pirate treasure. They reached Tess's car and Jack opened the door for her, but he blocked her from getting in. There's only one treasure I want to find. You'd think you'd have found it by now. She rose up on her toes and planted a kiss on his lips. It's never enough, but before we can go, I've got to get things settled with the Worthingtons. And you probably want to hang around for Liv. Jack nodded and hoped Tess wouldn't be upset about it. It sounds like Daniel's partner would like me to stick around as well. I don't know how you managed it, Jack. But in less than three months, you have gotten yourself involved in two murder investigations. He grinned. Life is one adventure after another. Chapter 4 It was not turning out to be a good day. Jack tapped his fingers on the Asa Worthington's desk, lamenting his bad luck. Summoned for a police interview, airing his dirty laundry to his nemesis, and then watching Tess drive off to rebuild her old house when she had a perfectly fine home with him. Now he sat at the desk he'd inherited from the deceased Asa at the Worthington building, recovering from Lauren Worthington's demand that he implement her plan to lay off hundreds of employees. The intercom beeped. You have a call, Mr. Valentine, a Ms. Danforth. Jack rolled his eyes. Would it ever stop? Thank you, Mrs. Stauffer. Jack picked up the phone. This is Jack Valentine. Jack? The voice on the other end quivered. Liv, what's wrong? 
They're destroying my home. Who is? The police. They barged in here and started ransacking the place. I know you're working, but can you come over? Do they have a warrant? I guess. I don't know. It's all mumbo-jumbo to me. Did you call the lawyer Tess recommended? Jack tried to remember his name. Lance something. I haven't had the chance. I don't understand why this is happening. Please, Jack. I have no one else. Can you please come over now? Yeah, sure. I'll be right there. But when Jack hung up the phone, he didn't immediately get up to leave. Liv needed a lawyer. He thought about asking Tess to step in just in this one instance, but immediately dismissed it. Despite his feelings of obligation toward leave, he understood that asking Tess to help would put them all in an awkward position, especially considering Tess's feelings about the murder. But the police were focused on leave as a suspect, which meant she really needed a lawyer. He stood and grabbed his coat from the back of the chair. He'd go to Lev's, try to calm her down, and then get her to call Lance the lawyer. The police cars were still parked outside Liv's estate home when Jack arrived. Charles Danforth had taken his inheritance from his father's cosmetic fortune and moved to Virginia to a lavish horse farm estate. Jack had never been there, but the images he'd developed based on Liv's description were about right. Jack barely made it up the steps when Liv came flying out the door and into his arms. Thank God you're here. I'm sure it's just routine. Jack patted her back while at the same time trying to put distance between them. They're making such a mess and treating me like a criminal. Can they do that? He tried to wrangle away, but Liv had him in a vice grip. Yes, you really should call the lawyer. How can they think I did this? I was out of town. The door opened again, and Daniel emerged. His brows lifted in surprise and then just as quickly furrowed in disapproval. Great, could this day get any worse? I guess I'm not surprised you're here. Daniel crossed his arms over his chest. Not Jack stepped back from Liv, who was trying to look as innocent as possible. It was innocent, damn it. And yet somehow, he knew it looked bad. I guess I'm not surprised you're here either. I'm working. How about you? I was working until I got a call saying you were destroying Mrs. Danforth's property. I assume you have a warrant? Of course. Jack turned his attention back to Liv. You need to call your lawyer. I can be a friend, but you need legal advice. But I... Don't say anything, Jack warned. Just call the lawyer that helped you this morning. Do it now. Tess spent the morning checking on the progress of her home reconstruction and trying not to think about what would happen between her and Jack when it was finished. Her other major project was trying to figure out what she was going to do about a job. She sat at the desk in the office Jack set up for her, looking at a blank computer screen while tapping a blank piece of paper with a pen. She was supposed to be plotting her career, but instead, her brain was as blank as her writing materials. The fact that she hadn't jumped right back in to rebuild her law practice seemed to be an indication that a law career wasn't what she wanted. At least the law career she'd mapped out for herself years ago. She was relieved when a knock at the door allowed her a reprieve from career planning. Daniel? She said when she opened the door. Hey, brat. He greeted her using the name he'd started calling her when she was a bratty teen. Is this a professional visit? Daniel was her friend, and they often spent time together, but he didn't usually visit in the afternoon. She had a nagging feeling his timing was to avoid Jack. No. She stepped away from the doorway to let him into the foyer. I have coffee. 
perfect. He followed her into the sunny kitchen that maintained much of the home's original feel, but had all the modern conveniences. Nice place. Yes. Jack bought it for his mother when she was sick. What a guy. The sarcasm dripped from his tone. Tess shot him an annoyed look. I guess I should get into my reason for being here. He sat at the Beechwood table and took a sip of the coffee Tess set in front of him. We did a search of Liv Danforth's home today. I'm not surprised. I didn't think you would be. How'd you manage it? Because Liv had a solid alibi, the police would need something substantial that suggested answers to Mr. Danforth's murder would be found for a judge to approve a search of the home. It wasn't easy. We found a brand new insurance policy on Charles Danforth and several of his buddies didn't think much of the wife. Did you find anything linking her to the shooting? No gun, which would be ideal. It would certainly make your job easier. Are you sure things are over between her and Jack? I know you care about him, but you two were out of touch for a long time. People change. Daniel, why don't you stop wasting time and spit out whatever it is you came here to tell me? He was over at Mrs. Danforth's when we searched the place. Tess had that sinking feeling in the pit of her stomach. She told herself it meant nothing and ordered her stomach to calm. He was there when you got there, or she called him when you tossed her place? We didn't toss. Tess gave him a knowing look. Okay, so it wasn't squeaky clean when we left. And? And she called him. He was there in about 15 minutes and didn't push her away when she leapt into his arms. Tess shook her head. I'm sorry, Tess. Tess gaped at him. You know, Daniel, if you think they're having an affair, you're losing your touch and falling into her trap. He frowned. I know you don't want to believe it. And I know you do. That's not true. Come on, Daniel. Liv Danforth hasn't had any contact with him for nearly a year. Then all of a sudden she calls twice. Right after her husband is murdered. Right after he was the main suspect in another high-profile murder. My point, exactly. What about her other men? Surely she's been having other affairs. She says Jack was the last. And you believe her? Tess gaped. Let's just say we haven't been able to find any other men. I know you don't like Jack, but you can't possibly think he's that dumb. If he were having an affair with her, you wouldn't have caught them in an embrace. It could be either way. Tess frowned as she tried to figure out what Liv's intentions were. The problem is, Jack is really trying to help her and doesn't see what she's doing to him. I thought you said he wasn't that dumb. She cast him a give-me-a-break look. He doesn't think she is a murderer, and he feels obligated to her because she helped him. Tess took a sip of her coffee as her mind mulled over the events of the last few days. She's up to something, and I think she's trying to put Jack in the middle of it. Daniel nodded. Possibly, or he is already in it. Tess ignored him. I said I'd keep out of it, but I can see that I need to do something. He rolled his eyes. You aren't going to defend her, are you? No, I'm going to prove she's guilty. Whoa, now hold on. Daniel waved his hands. First of all, you're a lawyer, not a cop or a PI. Second, what do you think you can do that we, the police, aren't already doing? 
I can go through all the information and see what may have been missed. I should be offended, except I know your eye for detail. Even so, Carter won't allow it. Daniel was probably right. She'd butted heads with the Commonwealth's attorney before when she worked as a defense lawyer. Usually he was upset because her eye for detail got someone out of jail. Does he have to know? If you discover or help us discover something that leads to her arrest, he'll want to know how we got the information. So yes, he'd need to know. Wouldn't he be happy to have me on his side for once? Maybe, but you're a civilian. I still don't see how we could allow it. Law enforcement uses consultants all the time. Tess began to get excited about the idea. She could help Jack, nail Liv, and have something else to do besides ponder her future. Consultant? Sure. Would you want to be paid? I'll do this one pro bono. Just give me a letter of recommendation if I do a good job. I'll talk to Carter tomorrow, but... He said when Tessa's eyes lit up. Don't hold your breath. You can talk him into it. I suppose I could mention that you're living with the suspect's former lover. That might pique his interest. Tess squashed the guilt that rose. I won't use him. I understand. So it's a deal. She stuck out her hand. If Carter okays it. He took her hand, but instead of shaking it, he placed his other hand over it. Tess. Daniel, don't. Yes, Daniel, don't. Tess's and Daniel's head whipped around to find Jack leaning nonchalantly against the door jamb. Jack. Guilt ratcheted up inside her. I didn't hear you come in. I guess not. The two of you look quite conspiratorial. Daniel stood. I should go. No need. Jack moved into the kitchen. He leaned down to give Tess a kiss. This is Tess's home, too. If she wants to visit with you, I'm not going to stop her. My business is finished. She's not packed and ready to leave with you, so I guess tattling didn't work. Jack, stop. Jack's cool eyes turned on her, and she realized that he was angrier than his tone let on. You're starting to sound jealous. Daniel smirked. My visit was innocent. You didn't find her in my arms. Tess wanted slug Daniel for taunting Jack. Honestly, men could be such jerks. Daniel, you should go. I'll call you later, Daniel said over his shoulder as he left. Tess turned away from Jack to put the coffee mugs in the sink and hopefully to avoid the confrontation that was coming. She was caught conspiring with Daniel and could only imagine what Jack was thinking or feeling about it. It would have been better if she'd been able to tell him of her plans to work with the police, not overhear it, as if she was going behind his back. But Jack wasn't the only one with the right to be annoyed. He had, after all, gone running to his former mistress when she curled her finger. Tess thought maybe they should have it out after all, but before she could turn to him, she was caught around the waist and pulled hard against him. Was I adequately jealous? He whispered in her ear. That was acting? She tried to ignore the hard length of him pressed against her backside. That didn't usually happen when he was mad. Sure, I like to get Daniel all riled up. He nipped on her ear. She turned to look at him. His eyes held humor, and his dimple was at full salute. This was a game to him. She should be relieved, but a part of her was disappointed. So it didn't bother you that he was here? I wasn't jealous, if that's what you mean. Not even a little? She tried not to pout. He smiled. 
Sorry, not even a little, and that's because I know you love me. Tell me you love me. He kissed her then, long and deep. You're okay. She managed, although with her breathlessness, the words didn't have the flat, disinterested effect she'd hoped for. I'll take that, and I'll give you this. My first instinct was to slug him for tattling and then trying to hit on you. You just said you weren't jealous. To be jealous would mean that I thought he could win you, and I don't think he can. But that doesn't mean I'm not annoyed with his constant pining. It is sort of flattering. I'll flatter you. He kissed her again, widening his stance and pinning her to the counter so he could go in for the thrill. He worked her mouth until she couldn't help herself and moaned. Flattered? He murmured, mildly amused. He laughed. Now may be a good time to explain to me this deal you negotiated with Daniel. It sounded to me like you were going to become a sleuth of sorts and try to put Liv in jail. That's about it. She saw the wariness in his eyes. I thought we agreed to stay out of it. I thought so too, and then you went running to her damsel in distress call. Jack shook his head. Daniel is such... Daniel may have had his motives, but it doesn't change the fact that you went to her. I'm not having an affair, and I don't have any feelings for her except friendship. I know. Jack stared at her as if she spoke Greek. Then why are you upset at my helping her? I'm upset because she has involved you in a murder case, and you don't seem to care. I'm helping a friend. Daniel is trying to twist it into something because he's mad that I won you. No, Daniel may not like you but any cop would be thinking the same things he's thinking. In fact, this morning at the police interview, Daniel was the only one giving you the benefit of the doubt. Jack shook his head. I don't see it. Tess held up her index finger. One, a woman you had an affair with happens to have called you while you were both in the same city within weeks of her husband's murder. I didn't get the call and you were with me. Two, she calls you the minute you get back in town and wants dinner a day and a half after her husband is murdered. You came to dinner with me. Tess ignored him, lifting a third finger. Three, she indicates that you were the last person she's had an affair with. I doubt that's true. Four, she calls you while her home is being searched and you show up within minutes. Really, Jack, what would you think? I'm more worried about what you think. I think she's setting you up. She has no reason to do that. We may not have been in love, but our relationship was more than just sex. We cared about each other. She's not a callous person. Tess took a deep breath and tried to resist grabbing and shaking him. If she killed him, she'd need to make sure there was someone else to blame. So blame his partners, his son or the butler. It makes no sense to put it on me. Except that a couple of months ago, you were the main suspect in another murder. A highly publicized murder. It wouldn't be hard to have people wondering about that. She could see he was at least considering what she was saying and took the chance to present her deal with Daniel in a positive light. My working with Daniel will help keep him on the right track, which is off you. I learned from Ace's murder that people can construe things to look bad. But I'm telling you, Tess, it's not in live to kill her husband or implicate me. You met her. I know you didn't like her story, but she's not a bad person. Tess had to admit that Liv didn't behave like a femme fatale. Even so, at that first meeting, the red flags were waving before the meal was served. That meant Liv was a good actress, or Tess's instincts were bad. Since she hadn't been working for a while, Tess had to consider that maybe her liar radar was off. Regardless of what she thought, though, 
Daniel and the police didn't like Liv's story either, and so she needed to do what she could to protect Jack. If you need to work with Daniel to settle your mind, then do it. I'm not the type of man to ask you to compromise yourself. Tess knew his comment was geared towards Daniel, who had on more than one occasion forced her to choose between him and her values. I'm confident she'll prove you wrong, Jack continued. And I trust that even with your bias now, you'll be fair during your investigation. But because I believe she's innocent, I will do what I can to help her. Tess didn't like the sound of that. It was the sound of something in her heart starting to crack, like he was choosing live over her. But not wanting to look jealous, she nodded. Okay. And when it's done... He pulled her back into his arms. We will still be together. What if she is guilty? Then she'll go to jail. But you'd resent me for that. She is clearly more than just an old fling. You're right. I did care for her, but I didn't love her so much that it nearly brings me to my knees. Not like I love you. She must have looked pathetic because he gave her quick shake. People in love can disagree and still be in love. We're doing it right now, and no matter what happens, that won't change. Tess hoped he was right. That night in bed, Tess lay spooned against Jack's warm body. Although they'd called a truce, she still felt shaky about it, and it prevented her from sleeping. Jack didn't have the same problem. He slept soundly next to her. She was considering getting up and watching TV or reading when the phone rang. Jack didn't stir, so she reached over him for the phone. Jack. She pushed against him, trying to wake him. Mm, I love sleepy. No, it's the phone. His eyes stayed closed, but his hand reached over and fumbled for the phone. Relieved, Tess rolled back to her side of the bed. Here. Jack handed her the receiver. What? It's your phone. You're the one who wanted to answer it. Tess grabbed the phone. Hello? Hello? Is this Jack Valentine's number? A woman asked. Jack rolled, pulling Tess under him as he nipped at her neck. Yes? Who's calling? Tess tried to push him away in annoyance, even though each nip sent shivers straight to her belly. Who is this? The woman asked. Awareness sprang to life. It's for you. Tess presented the phone to Jack. It's Liv. His head popped up, looking down on her questioningly. What does she want? I don't know. Why don't you ask her? He took the phone. I'm not done yet. He whispered to her before putting the phone by his ear. Hello. Jack was close enough that Tess could hear Liv's side of the conversation. Jack, is that you? Yes. Did I wake you? Are you in the middle of something? Yes and yes. He leaned down and caught Tess's lip with his teeth. I don't think I'm safe here. Where? He was answering her questions but wasn't fully present in the conversation. Tess decided to join in the game. Her hands slid down. At my house. The police completely tore apart my home. I feel so violated. They're just doing their job, Liv. Jack, who's there with you? Liv's voice came over the phone. Tess. Oh, I see. I hate to interrupt your evening, but something isn't right here. I was hoping you could come over and stay with me. I can't do that. Please. I've never been alone, and after what's happened, I just don't feel safe. Why don't you go to a hotel? There was a long silence on the end. Can you drive me? You want me to drive you to a hotel?
Please. It would mean a lot to me. I'll call you back. Jack poked the off button, tossed it aside, and then pinned Tess to the bed. Did you hang up on her? Isn't that rude? Shut up, Tess. His mouth captured her lips. She might have thought how strange the situation was. Foreplay while Jack's former lover was on the phone, his hanging up to make love, and no doubt calling her back after. I can't believe you did that, Tess said as she caught her breath. He grinned. Are you going to call her back? Yes. But he didn't reach for the phone right away. He studied her face, no doubt trying to determine her reaction. She tried to keep her expression impassive. Are you going to take her to a hotel? He waited a beat, but then said, Yes. Her ability to keep her emotions in check failed. Even though you'll be walking into whatever plot she has concocted. He sighed. There's no plot, Tess. It might still look bad, but that's only because you and Deputy Dan want it to be. He could be right. But even if Liv wasn't scheming, she was pulling Jack into something that could hurt him, his business, and maybe his relationship. I wouldn't go if I didn't believe she was really nervous. Tess rolled her eyes. Wouldn't you be if someone had broken into your home and murdered your husband? Yes, but I would have been nervous two days ago when it happened. Not after I'd conveniently implicated my former lover in a murder investigation. His eyes darkened, and just like that they were on opposite sides. Come with me. If you come with me, then there won't be any hint of impropriety. It's the middle of the night, and she's ten minutes from a hotel. It will take us twenty minutes just to get to her home. If it were reversed, Daniel would be here in a minute, or you'd be with him in a minute. And despite my feelings about him, I would support it because I know how you feel about him. It's not the same. Tess shook her head. I never slept with Daniel and he's not implicated in a murder. Jack studied her for a moment, and she realized that she'd just answered a question he'd had about her and Daniel, but never asked. He gave his head a quick shake and focused on the fight at hand. Why do you do this, Tess? Why do you have to make everything hard? She's scared. We'll take her to a hotel and be home within the hour. Hard? If life is so hard with me... He cut her off by rolling away from her. He scrubbed his hands over his face, looking tired and unhappy. Maybe she was being too hard. She could go with him. It would protect him, which is what she wanted. Fine. I'll go with you. She sat up and started to get out of bed. Maybe you should stay. He stood, grabbing his phone and his clothes. It will only cause more angst. His detached, cool voice felt like a slap in the face. But she didn't want him to see her hurt, so she gave him a curt nod. He left her to shower and dress. As she waited for him to finish, she searched her mind for something to say. She hated fighting with him and wanted to reach out to him, but all she could think about was his cold demeanor as he prepared to visit a former lover in the middle of the night. She's being watched, Tess said as he reached the bedroom door to leave. He didn't turn to her. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm tired of people thinking that I am. Thank you so much for listening to this episode from Tales from the Heart. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you're going to be back to find out what happens next. What's going to happen between Jack and Tess now that he's leaving their bed to go help live? Remember, you can listen to full uncensored episodes over at reamstories.com forward slash Jenna Hart. And if you'd like to read along or get ahead in the story, you can get Old Flames Never Die from your favorite ebook retailer or save by buying direct from me. Now, all the details and links you might need are click away in the description. 
Make sure that you do not miss the next episode by hitting the subscribe button so that you know when it's posted. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, this is Jenna Hart wishing you peace, love, and happily ever after.